0: Soften Your Senses, ways to become a better speaker, listener, and follower. This episode recorded as part of episode 76 of Did You Know the Esco Beach Fact Show. Howard Weiss, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm
1: not that scary, am I? I'm ready for the future. Oh Oh, yeah,
0: look at that. (laughs) Love it. I love the The future refrigerants are here. We need to be ready. And Greg, I'm so glad you pointed that out. You know, this really is a great class, right? It's not a extremely big challenge to introduce into it. It's something that we have to introduce into our educational program because it's upon us. And it's very important that we train our technicians couple things that, Howard, I would like for you and I to discuss. So, you know, we spent time with Jason talking about why. We spent time talking to Renee about how. But let's talk a little bit about the importance and the significance of why we think it's a little bit different at ESCO. The importance of the design that we have in our programs.
1: Well, first of all, I'll back up to something that you asked Jason. Yeah. You asked Jason, when did all this start? Yes. And something that's interesting is something called the Coalition of Like-minded organizations. Back in 2016, ESCO started working with leading manufacturers of refrigerants and associations, manufacturers, understanding that all this was underway. Yes. And and let me just share something. I get probably the number one thing we get called on. Why is this all happening right away?
0: Right. Okay. (laughs) And
1: I remind people, I go. We actually brought this to your attention at our conference in March of 2010,
0: 14 years ago,
1: 14 years ago. So that, you know, we start, we talk about the safe refrigerant transition task force. Yes. ESCO has been involved in committees for the last 14 years, trying to make certain that whatever happens, we can easily break it down, make it attainable, give you information to help you educate your students. So let me just give you a quick idea. We get a, an email, here's a proposed rule from the EPA or final rule that's coming out, yep. and it could be several hundred pages. Is that what you get from us? No, you usually get a one or two page summary of what you need to know. Yeah. So, the, a lot of, notes. Right, so a lot of what we're trying to do, we're trying to make it easy for you to do your job by taking the time to read the, here, reading the government regulations is like reading a simplified version of the IRS tax code. It just doesn't exist. Okay. Right. <laughs> so a lot of what we're trying to do is break this down, understand their meaning, and then tell you exactly what you need to know so you can be more productive in your job.
0: A lot of people aren't aware that part of that final rule that you're talking about is the the EPA's directive to potentially require new training requirements for A2L refrigerants. And it doesn't really fall under Section 608 of the Clean Air Act, because it actually comes out of the AIM Act and is a very different item. And so the reason that we have this is having you prepared for what that is. Now, it's unknown exactly what that is gonna look like, but if we look at training in general, we do know that there, I could Howard, I could go to a class, and I could sit through a class, and when I'm done, somebody could say, You went to that class. Thank you. Or I could go to a class and maybe I can have a requirement. Maybe I have to be in this class for an X amount of time and I have to be there the whole time and I can't be on my phone. But there's another thing, which is really what ESCO has always been focused on. And it was, it was like that moth for me. Right? It, it, I was the moth and, and ESCO was the light. When, when I was a trainer and I was looking for a complete package to be able to test not only my retention of information, but my students' retention of information. And you really pointed this out to me today. And it makes so much sense of why we're different and why we push the bar so high here at ESCO. Could you explain a little bit?
1: Sure. And unfortunately, I'm not like Bill Clinton, where I could take a five-part question and go five, three, two, one. Right. You know, but I'll try and cover everything you want. So what you brought up, the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act, the AIM Act, specifically subsection H of the AIM Act, gave the EPA the authority to um, regulate the phase down of HFCs and manage their substitutes. Right. Most people know that. What they don't know is it also, it also empowered the EPA to establish technician training and certification requirements for the handling of ASHRAE 2, 2L, and 3 refrigerants. This process is currently in process and the final decision's on, uncertain, but it's evident from the fact that they're going through all the procedures right now, they're exploring their options. So to just start phase one, Phase one, the EPA put out a comment period to ask
0: for industry
1: input as to what this would look like, right? That comment period. I don't remember exactly when it closed. was somewhere around, it was in December. Yeah. Okay. Then they're going to, they're going to take their time anywhere from 90 days to a year, we're going to have a proposed rule. There will be the opportunity for the industry to give a little feedback on it. And then we get a final rule now. Not knowing what the rule will be, I know where you were going. Our conversation earlier is why should someone take a closed book exam? Absolutely. So here's the problem. We we have for the automotive exam, EPA section 609, it's uh-huh. an open book test. Sure. It really fails to assess someone's retained, retained knowledge.
0: knowledge. Right. Did I learn anything or am I just good at taking a test or Can I open the pages and find what I need to know to be able to satisfy somebody's expectation?
1: Right. And just keep in mind, retain knowledge. Because on what you just said, I bet I could pass the bar exam on an open book test. With the right books. And if I knew where to open the books, absolutely. Well, you definitely don't want me defending you. Right. Um, So secondly, if the EPA does come out, they've talked about the idea of cloning or mimicking the EPA Section 608 program. Why not? It would be a multi-part test, closed book. The idea that this training may require the same elements, a card, all the same tools. What well, they do. That, are they going to grandfather someone who just sat in a class and got a certificate of attendance or someone who got a certificate of completion or someone who actually took a closed book exam? The answer is probably the last.
0: Exactly.
1: We don't know that. But the last thing. Taking a closed book exam is the only way you could truly reduce liability. So what we were chatting about? Yeah, yeah. What we were chatting about earlier, and just for everyone else, we have to distinguish between someone getting a certificate of attendance, a certificate of completion, or an industry certification. They're not the same thing. Okay. It all drives to the difference between knowing about something and validating one's retained knowledge of the subject. Mere awareness of the existence of standards does not equate to a deep comprehension and a commitment to these standards. So I'd like to share a story that uh, that I think everyone will appreciate.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking for.
1: I have a good friend who was a teacher who had a former student who had passed away, died using an aluminum ladder near a power line. Okay. It appeared that the court was gonna favor the plaintiff until the instructor was called to give their deposition. They asked questions of the school, the state and the teacher. How did you know the student? It was in your class when you covered the material. Did you take attendance? How do you know they fully understood the material? There was a plethora of questions well, it appeared the plaintiff would win. The case was ultimately dismissed on one single reason documentation. The student understood the established safety standards from the
0: exam. They took oh, so that's a liability interest significant liability interest there
1: and and that's the thing clifton if whether you're dealing with students customers or employees should one of them be injured on the job do you have the documentation to validate they had to retain knowledge to adequately perform said task? so we all if you're a teacher in school hey here's your safety glasses Mm -hmm. here's your gloves we go through everything but do we give them some kind of safety exam to document
0: validate it yeah absolutely did they you know and i've had our distributors and if you're a distributor trainer out there that's where i was before i joined the esco team if you're a distributor it brings up an entirely different perspective that is very important to be aware of. If, if remember back when r410a came out what was everyone afraid of with r410a howard high pressure pressures right so what did we do yeah, I so We never had a nationally required R410A certification, but a lot of our distributors required an R410A training with a certification to validate that you were able to work with this new equipment before they would sell you that equipment. And we've already began to see this with many distributors here in the country that are requiring their contractors to go through a training class, not just go through a training class, but take, a, take our certification, take our test to validate that they retained that knowledge. Now the distributor actually has their version of that insurance policy in their hand showing, hey, my contractor went through this class. They retained the knowledge. If they made the choice later to do something incorrectly, I taught them how to do it correctly. They chose to do differently. And that's a big factor. So even as a school we have to look at that as a contractor as a distributor we all have the opportunity to look at it as i'm providing training and making sure that my student is retaining the information that i delivered so about
1: shit. 20 years ago there was a frivolous lawsuit that everyone thought was frivolous okay lee Lieb- versus mcdonalds uh-oh La- lady spilled coffee in her own lap yeah you got about 2.8 million dollars out of mcdonalds why because restaurants, they it specified the temperature at which coffee is to be served. And apparently McDonald's from reading the case was serving coffee at roughly 40 degrees higher uh, than, than the standards, okay? okay. So knowing standards exist and adhering to standards are two different things.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Clifton, you worked at a very large distributor. So let's just take, take this. If you had a bunch of customers, you trained in 410A, a2Ls, etc., and someone got injured. Even if you did all the training and covered everything, do you have the documentation to demonstrate to authorities that you covered all those standards set forth by groups like ASHRAE, UL, NFPA, SRTTF? Do you have any documentation to show that not only they attended what you covered, but that they understood it to fend yourself and? Well, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just saying we live in a crazy world. Yeah. If if you're teaching safety, forget A2Ls for a second. If you're a teacher, any type of safety you teach, you should document. You should have people take a test. Once again, there's a major difference between a certificate of attendance, course completion certificate, and a closed book exam. In my world, I want to just, maybe I'm showing my age, as President Reagan used to say, we should trust people. But we should also verify.
0: Mm, man, isn't that a big statement? So okay, you want
1: to reduce warranties, or excuse me, liability, um, make certain that you're giving people a test.
0: Okay. Big, big point. A lot of people out there are probably rethinking right now going, wow, that does change the way that I look at my training. Because with A2L... We're not really focusing on global warming potential or ozone depleting potential like we did with our EPA 608. We're now actually talking about safety, which is the reason we implemented this in the AIM Act is because we're not talking about the environmental side. We're talking about the safe handling for the technician and the consumer. So there's a lot of information that needs to be validated, retained, and tested to make sure that we're retained. Now, let's talk about some additional resources while we have the opportunity. So we've spent a lot of time talking about introducing the A2L training program into your classroom, which we're highly encouraging all of our proctors to start introducing A2L training into your classroom. But there's also a lot of continual facts. Jason and I talked about some of our previous shows where we take deep dives into these. We have a bunch of resources. Let's talk a little bit about our A2L fact check, the blog that is designed just for facts about this transition.
1: Our, our customer service team and members of our team get calls and emails nonstop every day. Yeah. Jason had, when I talked to him this morning, 15 emails on A2Ls. You and I were both discussing this morning all the comments on social media we're finding. Yes. And a lot of what we're finding on social media is inaccurate. There's no nice way to say it. Okay. What we did with A2L fact check, we are taking frequently asked questions, And we're putting out answers so no we don't want everyone just emailing us we hope you take the time go through the course but if you have a legitimate question you don't know the answer to let us know we have a series of videos short articles posts the whole purpose of this entire series is to help you have the tools whether you're trying to train yourself students customers or employees one of my favorite videos in here is the one you mentioned earlier where you did the um, flame test on four classifications of refrigerants right. I think it's about 15 minutes long yeah, it's a fairly short one and what people will realize if you show that in your class that's showing you that under the right circumstances all refrigerants are flammable yeah. you know then at the same token I think that you know, one of probably one of the biggest questions I get emails for every day misinformation these things are flammable they're explosive we're gonna die that exactly. type of stuff this this scare stuff and I go, R 410A is made of what? 125 and 32. So if you take away the 125, you have R32. So one of the new refrigerants you've been working with a form of for many years. Decades. Absolutely. And
0: yeah. what's R 454B? Yeah, it's that blend of 32 and 1234
1: YF. Right. Yeah. So you know everyone's afraid of this stuff because they heard something on social media. Right. So what what these resources are. They're really meant to help you separate back from fiction.
0: Okay. This is a good time for us to bust some myths. Are you ready? Sure. Well, all right. So this one's for you, Howard. This is an important one because all of our instructors out here right now are, have probably been thinking about this. Hopefully they're getting more informed about it. But um, I got a good one for you. <laughs> oh, thank you, Ty Brown <laughs> And he wow. just did that a couple hours ago on the fly for me. He's so amazing. I love working and, with Ty.
1: And he did that because that's probably one of the biggest posts yeah. that we see. Yeah. And, and and first of all, going back to the AIM Act, which gave the EPA the authority under subsection H to regulate um, training and certification, the AIM Act is not the same thing as the Montreal Protocol. Exactly. Okay. So even, so first of all, there's separate regulations. So does your EPA card cover it? No, what what will the AIM Act require? We don't know yet. What we do know is based on what the EPA is trying to set up, there will be some form of required training, certification or both. And when we do know the facts, we're gonna
0: share those with everybody. Exactly. And it's important to note, so there's the link for over to the a2lfactcheck.blogspot to be able to see where that is. And it's important for people to know that the EPA as well as the DOE are going to be hanging out with us at the National HVACR Education Conference. So we encourage you to come join us. We're hoping that they'll have more information. They may or may not. Remember, we're talking about a government agency that is bound by, you know, certain uh, avenues of information, and some they can't disclose until they actually get to that moment in time. But they will be there. They may be able to answer some questions for us. But we have this continual interest, this continual conversation with the EPA, and we we promise to you, as we build this community, this entire HVAC and building sciences community that we will be here to update you when things change as quick as they change. Uh, like Howard, think had mentioned it before, and, and Jason talks about it. You know, Howard and Jason are on the federal registry every day looking to see when the changes are. So when you see things come from us, it's because it probably happened that morning. And that's why we want you to continue to join us and just participate and stay ahead of the bar and not get behind. What do you think?
1: At the conference, you're gonna have the EPA Honeywell, Comores, Hudson Technologies, ESCO. You've got all the leading organizations in refrigerants and refrigerant regulations in a singular place. You've got our weekly show, yep. our podcast, A2L Fact Check. A lot of people will say, oh, you're just trying to sell a certification. No, we're a standards organization that is trying to move the industry forward.
0: That's it. And if you're not staying up to date with all of our communications, hop on board, grab that QR, it'll grab your information, it'll let us know what your piece of the industry, are you a distributor, a manufacturer, a contractor? And that way, as we have pertinent information that is specific for your sector of the industry, we'll get notifications to you. And so we try to keep it very segmented so that we're not sending everybody the same thing all the time. But if it's important for your portion of the industry, We're gonna have you covered.
1: And and I'd like to say two last things. If you're on LinkedIn, we have a group called HVAC Educators, which, if you're a teacher, I don't care if you teach at a school, supply house, manufacturer, join it. Great way to be connected. And here's the real quick thing: steps to steps to training and certification. If you have have students, customers, employees, have them go through the online course. The online course really covers everything you need to know. Have them come on in go through the PowerPoint with speaker notes. It's going to review what they've already learned. And then lastly, have them take the test. If you're just a technician out there watching our show, you're important too, but the same, the same resources are available to you. Take the online course and call us and we'll give you a, a location to take the test. Love it.
0: All right. Mr. Tebby, thank you so much. It has been a fantastic triple header. I'm honored. This is great to have so many different perspectives of the same topic. And we love having you all with us. Is there any last questions that anybody has before we get out of here? I told you, we try to keep it around an hour and that's that's pretty close. Went over a little bit, but- Well, we
1: just need to make certain, are you ready?
0: Are you ready? That's all it comes down to. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up for the day. We appreciate everybody joining us so much. And next week, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about 608 resources. So if you're new to training, you're not an ESCO proctor, you're not familiar with the resources, we introduced you to the Low GWP. Next week, we'll talk about 608 and where all those resources are and the things that have changed in the last few years and the last couple decades to be able to stay up to date with all that. So Howard, thank you once again. Thank you. We'll see you all next week on Did You Know? The Let's Go H-Fact Show.